What is up, folks? It is me. It is me. It is Mr. Sensational Gino V. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega coming to you with a very special episode 93 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. Hello to the tens of ones in the listening audience. If for some strange reason, strange reason, the show finds you in a vacuum, this is in fact a show where I, a very average, unassuming, ordinary, middle-aged individual living in Napa, California, come to you for around 30 minutes a week, although we're going to get into that in a moment, with tales, takes, and thoughts culled from the deep recesses of my ordinary average psyche. Culled from those resources, easy for me to say, culled from those recesses, and then synthesized into content for your listening pleasure. Synthesized into those aforementioned takes and thoughts that you didn't ask for and you don't need, but you're getting any way as you listen here to the show. And this is the 93rd of these shows that we're doing. Um, I've been off the airwaves for the last few weeks, and I apologize for that. It has all been revolving around the fact, hang on one second, I've got a microwave I have to turn off. And it is off. Apologies for that brief interruption. It was beeping in the background. And um, I'm not sure if it was audible to you, but it was distracting to me. In any case, my absence for the last few weeks has been due to the fact that for the first time since the year 2019, I, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, have returned to paid work outside of the home. That's right. Since, I guess it was um, around August of 2019. August of 2019, I quit the full-time job that I had back then, which in fact was not paid work outside of the home. It was paid work inside the home because it was a remote job. It was a job based around um, Slack messages and Zoom meetings before, before that was part of the popular imagination. A true trailblazer here on the show, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega. I was doing Zoom before Zoom, well, I don't know that Zoom's ever been cool, but you know, before Zoom was ubiquitous, let's let's put it that way. Um, I quit that job in August of 2019, and I have since, ever since, been in a full-time house husband, homemaker, at-home parent role, um, mainly because in summer of 2019, we moved from Santa Rosa, California to Napa, California, and we wanted one of us to uh, be home with the children to help them get uh, acclimated. We have two children, if you're not familiar. I I assume most of the tens of ones already know the drill, but there's me, Mr. Sensational, there's my wife, Ms. S., and there are our children, Miss One, who's now 17, and Miss Two, who's 14. Uh, We wanted one of us to be at home to help them get acclimated to this new environment, and the fact of the matter is, if one of us is going to stay home, it's not going to be Ms. S. Because Ms. S, um, her standing in the professional world is exponentially higher than yours truly. We've talked about this before on the show. If you're new to the show, you can go back into the archives and hear all about it. But uh, yes, I, I am lapped many times over in professional capacity 
by my wife. So if one's got to stop working and stay home, I, I guess it could be her, but like we would be on food stamps or something probably. But uh, anyway, since then, a lot has happened. A lot, of, uh, a lot of time has passed. A lot of water has flowed under the proverbial bridge, as it were. Both of our kids are at the same school for the first time in years this year, too. Up until last year, it took me like almost an hour to get both of them to where they needed to be. And uh, where one of them needed to be was too far to really realistically get to on her own. This year, they're both in walking distance to our home. Sensational Manor 2.5. Is that what we've decided it was? Yes. Sensational Manor 2.5, the house in which we live. Uh, Both children can get to school um, on their own. Or if I do give them a ride, it takes like five minutes. And I was feeling kind of at loose ends here in the house. And we, we've discussed about this, uh, discussed this topic, I think, on the last episode of the show, episode 92 of the show. But I was kind of looking for a change, looking for something to do. At the same time, I wasn't looking to uh, have some kind of demanding 40-hour a week, 24-7. I guess 24-7 would be more than 40 hours a week. But, you know, I, I didn't want some all-consuming job because that's what I had with my last job. And... Between two adults, Ms. S and myself, both working at completely consuming jobs, our um, quality of life plummeted. We're not looking to revisit that, but I was looking for something to do, at least for a bit of the week, to, to mix things up, to, to add a little tension to my life, to be able to appreciate the time I have at home more, to make the time that I have at home more efficient instead of just kind of this amorphous blob of time where I want to get everything done and get nothing done. Now I'm having to prioritize things better. Wanted something that would would catalyze that for me. And that's something, as we have been talking about for a while on the show now, but has finally come to fruition and is why I was off the air for two weeks. That something was substitute teaching. That's right. I am now credentialed to teach for up to 30 days in any given classroom in the state of California for um, the uh, about a year as of the end of October, I think, is when my license began, that I have to renew the license. But anyway, I'm, I'm credentialed to substitute teach. Um, and I'm signed on with the Napa Valley Unified School District, the school district near where I live. And I've been substitute teaching. And it's great, and we're going to talk about it today on the show, um, but the last two weeks, uh, last week was my first week working, the week before was my last week of getting set up, and I just, I, one thing led to another. I was going to have some time to record an episode last week, but then Ms. S was working from home, and when she does that, I, there's no way I can record because she's actually down here having meetings that, that uh, bring our family income versus me just trying to sit here talking about nothing to the tens of ones for no, certainly no Remuneration. I guess there, there's, there's uh, existential benefits to it, uh, uh, cathartic benefits to it, but there's not monetary benefits to it. So her work takes precedence when she is home. So when last we spoke, um, we were in the middle of a multi-episode odyssey in which I was revisiting my personal history with the video game genre. Um, Where I found myself at different parts of my life playing certain video games, why I was playing them, uh, other ancillary things that were going on in my life. Video games is a lens for what it was like for me growing up. And we got about as far... We're going to start talking about the Nintendo Entertainment System by way of the Atari 7800. But, but, we're going to be shelving 
my personal history through the prism of video games for now in order to discuss a more pressing issue to discuss my initial reflections on substitute teaching, which I'm going to begin sharing with you all right now on very special episode 93. As I mentioned, last week was my first week working as a substitute teacher, and I worked three days last week. Um, I started on Tuesday. And the way this thing works, the way this whole substitute teaching deal works, at least in the Napa Valley Unified School District in which I am currently um, applying my trade, is that once you're in the system, you have access to a website, a a web-based app. Um, and this web-based app, the one that our district uses, um, at any given time, it tells you if there are substitute teaching jobs out there in the wild in the district that need to be filled. And sometimes you will log in and there are no jobs available. Other times you will log in, there are like two or three jobs available, one job available. I got my first job, um, in this way. I saw a job that was available and I took it. I think I booked a couple jobs, front-loaded a few jobs that way. That's one way of getting substitute teaching jobs. The other way is that if you happen to have a day of the week and you want to work but you haven't gotten a job in advance, around about 6 o'clock a.m., you will suddenly get an email from the same system that that web-based app um, I just mentioned um, works off of. That system will kick you out an email if you are a registered substitute, and there will be like, anywhere from four to 10 jobs. And these are the jobs that just came down the pike today. This is like uh, Mrs. So-and-so woke up sick this morning and called in sick to work. So now her class needs a sub. So you can front load jobs. And then if you've got nothing on your plate and you really want to work, you just wake up at six and see what comes down the pike. And so far, I mean, if I wanted to work every single day of the week, substitute teaching, I could. I haven't so far because part of the whole deal of doing this is, is I'm not looking to be full-time, looking to have some flexibility. I'm still the one, like, you know, I got to take the kids to the orthodontist, uh, this, that, the third. And so when that happens, I just block out time and I don't work. Um, but it's very interesting. It's very interesting. I was wondering going into it what the work uh, – I was wondering how much work would be available and if there would be any penalty to not taking work. Because oftentimes in these kind of work situations – if you're seen as someone who's not jumping on opportunities, then you do not get more opportunities. But this is a very impersonal system. It's, it's very similar to what I imagine it would be like to be like an Uber or Lyft driver, where you either take a, take a job or you don't, and no one is looking over your shoulder to see if you're taking a job or you're not. And so in that sense, this is like a dream job for me. It's not, you couldn't, one, if one worked every single day of the week as a substitute teacher, there's also parts of the year where there's no school, right? So you're never going to be able to work 40 hours a week every week of the year. Um, One could not really make enough money um, to make a living off of it. I guess you could if you were like, you know, you know, busting some crust punk existence and you had like five roommates. And uh, in in that sense, it's kind of like the perfect slacker job. But it, it but it's still the perfect slash job for me because I'm not looking to make a living off of it. I'm looking to make extra money, um, extra money to pay for incidentals, extra money to go uh, uh, go out on the town and hang out at uh, Napa Cigar a couple times a week. Um, money to set aside for stuff for the kids, you know. Extra, extra funds. It's not something I'm trying to live off of. So the point here is, to me, 
and we'll get into even more reasons why. To me, so far, this has been a dream job. This has been the best job I've ever had in my life. But the caveat is that it's not really a job that one could use to um, make a life um, off of. It's more of like an ancillary job. Um, if you're married to someone that has a solid job and you can pick this up, then you're adding extra money. But I don't know that you would survive on your own as a substitute teacher. I don't know. Maybe maybe people are more frugal than me, more savvy than me. Maybe they could. I don't know. Um, but thus far, plenty of work, but also the ability to not work if there's any day that you just don't feel like doing it. You just don't take a job. You don't respond to the email. It's great. Now, to the nitty-gritty of what it's like to be a substitute teacher two weeks in. I, I, I will uh, listen to my wise sage words, young one, as I tell you what I've learned in my immense time in this profession. Um, no, but I will give you the, the quick hitter from like a couple jobs in what it's been like so far. It's interesting, and it's made me think about other things in my life and about life writ large. This is often the case. This is what we do here on the show. This is we 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 plumb the depths of just boring stuff and and figure out ways that it tangentially connects with all kinds of um uh, cosmic happenings somehow. So, my very first sub assignment was at a school called Silverado Middle School here in Napa. And it was a substitute teaching for their band teacher. Now, when I first started seeing what jobs were available, there were jobs for all manner of subjects that I know nothing about. So I was like, should I even take this job? But then I thought, you know, a good, uh, I'm just throwing a number out there, 90% of the population knows nothing about band. Um, so they can't really be expecting whoever takes these jobs to, to be up to speed, up to snuff on the topic itself. So I just kind of went ahead and accepted this band job. Um, and I'll just jump ahead and tell you, it's, it's totally true. It's just you, you're going in and the, the teachers having, having the class do an assignment that they either already know how to do or they're giving them some busy work. And you are essentially there as an adult set of eyes, as, an, as a babysitter, more or less, um, so that there, there's an adult guardian in the room. Not sure how effective I have been so far, as said guardian, we'll get into that. But that, that is what you're doing there. You're not there to teach a monumental lesson on the subject at hand. You're there to stand in the room and make sure no one is harming themselves or others. Um, so I accepted this band assignment at said Silverado Middle School. And um, thankfully on that very first day, I got the most, um, and I don't mean this in a, in a derogatory way. Sometimes people would do. Uh, I, the, the office person that I, I interfaced with that day to get my, um, you know, it, all these sub jobs, I give you a folder. And the folder has like the attendance forms and has the keys to the classroom and has a map of the school. The office person that I spoke to that day was the most verbose of office people that I've, I have encountered in my two weeks uh, thus far. And what I mean by that is she actually kind of gave me a rundown of what was going on. She, she asked if I'd been to the school before I told her, no, this is my first day ever as a substitute teacher. So she really hooked me up, showed me where to go, told me what time it was. And that has not happened at any other job I've been to because really substitute teachers, they're, they're weird. They're like ghosts because you show up on campus, you are literally handed keys to a classroom and a binder with some information. And that's the, really the majority of the inner interaction you have with the administration for the course of the day. We'll talk more about this. Um, but um, fortunately, just to set the tone, 
that first office person that I dealt with, she was like more explanatory than anyone else I've encountered since. So that it helped helped me feel like I knew what I was doing, kind of. Now, Silverado Middle School is a trip because Silverado Middle School is like an old school prison style middle school. It's like the, the one I went to. I went to Herbert Slater. Well, at the time it was junior high school. Middle school. My kids went to this Namby Pam, these Namby Pamby hippie uh, middle schools, um, where s- small school, not a lot of kids. My, uh, both my my children um, went to a school when we were in Santa Rosa that was kindergarten through uh, eighth grade. Is that right? Eighth grade. Yes, eighth grade. So you could ostensibly go there from your first year of school, kindergarten, all the way up to your last year of middle school before you went to high school, and that is actually what my oldest daughter did. Um, she went to um, that school uh, for the entirety of her K-8 education. Her younger sister left because we moved when she was going to begin the middle school portion of the program. And so she went to a middle school here in Napa. But the, the middle school she went to, to here in Napa was very much not in the mold of Silverado. Silverado is just this big, sprawling campus. It feels like a prison, uh, just very industrial um, the the uh, band area where I had to teach is in a, like this little quad that has like a cafeteria in it, in these kind of dungeony rooms. So um, I haven't been on a campus like that in a long time. So it was interesting, interesting to see uh, that these schools are still kicking it out there, which I knew they were, but I just haven't been on one in a long time because, like I said, Miss One and Miss Two went to kind of smaller, um, uh, geekier middle schools, uh, much like they both go to like the weird dark horse high school in Napa, like doesn't have sports teams, doesn't have cheerleaders, et cetera, et cetera. They're, they're, they're loners, Dottie. They're, they're rebels. Um, you know, so they got to go to the weird, weird school. So it's still a public school, but you know, the, the, the weird option, uh, that's out there. Um, the kind of option I probably would have taken in my youth had there been an option. But in my day, there was no option. You went to the prison school, whichever one was the one in your uh, sector. Um, so teaching band at Silverado, the guy had two different classrooms and I had to flip flop back between the back and forth between the two classrooms. And, uh, he had his kids doing a word search that I handed out and they were all strangely enthusiastic about doing the word search because they all were kind of looked like disaffected middle school youth. But for some reason when I was like, well, your teacher said you can either sit in your chair and read a book or you can do a word search. And everyone's like, word search, word search. And like they were like mobbing for the word searches. So word searches it was. Uh, I taught uh, four classes that day, that first day. First class was um, chorus. They were super nice, super wholesome, chill kids. Second class was the worst class of the day as far as being kind of belligerent. Uh, and that, that of course was music exploration. So these guys were not band dorks. These were just kids that were, you probably had to take some elective and like, Oh, what sounds easy? Okay. Music exploration. So this is the one class that day where I had a lot of like smart Alex wise crackers. Um, and I think I acquitted myself. Okay. Um, uh, because I, we'll get into this as the story unfolds, but I get the sense that a lot of people doing substitute teaching are very uptight and easily rattled by obnoxious behavior from the youth. And my philosophy, my perspective going into this was that like, unless someone's doing something that is literally causing harm 
to to something, to someone, to themselves, um, or just making it not possible for anyone else in the class to do what they need to do, I'm just going to no-sell it. I'm just going to just going to act like it's not happening because that person doing whatever petty infraction they're doing is essentially doing it to get a rise, to troll, to get attention. So what I'm going to get in a battle of wills with them, but I think it sounds like from what I the feedback I've gotten from kids is this is usually what happens in the substitute uh, paradigm. And it's what I remember from from many years ago when I was a kid. You know, some angry substitute trying to micromanage everyone and that is just not the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega way. So in that um, exploration of music class, I had my first uh, couple of uh, kids try to troll me. Um, there were two kids there, um, and I was wearing a gray flannel shirt. And these two kids were, um, gosh, I, in this day and age, I don't even know the correct way to put this. And I don't mean this in any kind of weird way, just because it feeds into the story. These were kids, these were like Latino youth, kids of, um, uh, American kids of Spanish speaking descent. I don't know. Um, and again, that's like the majority population in Napa. Um, so it's not like that's anything, um, remarkable, but, the, but to go to the search. So these two guys are kind of like little g out dudes and like, um, uh, yo, yo man, yo, what shoes are those, man? What shoes? And I was wearing Adidas. I was like, oh, they're Adidas. Huh. They look like Converse. It's like, yeah, well, they're Adidas. Yo, well, why Adidas? And I was like, well, it's funny that you should ask, because when I was a child, there was a band called Run DMC, a rap group, Run DMC. Run DMC was very popular when I was youth, and Run DMC had a song called My Adidas. So from that moment forward, from that moment in the 1980s, I always held Adidas tennis shoes Adidas sneakers in high esteem and tend to purchase them when I'm in the market for purchasing tennis shoes. And they're both just kind of like, oh, oh, okay, oh. Um, and that sort of diffused that situation. But then, as I said, I was wearing the gray flannel shirt. So the guy who asked me about the shoes, I diffused him. But then his buddy, who was just like this huge dude. And that, that's what the funny thing about substitute teaching. I don't know what the deal is, man. I've noticed this for years, just having my own kids in school. So I am not tall. I'm vertically challenged. I'm not like a, the, the shortest of the short people, but I'm short. I'm 5'6". When I was in high school, I mean, in middle school, uh, there were definitely people taller than me, but it wasn't like, I didn't feel like I was in the land of the giants at all times. Nowadays, kids are all like seven feet tall. And so um, that's always like an awkward thing now when I'm subbing, because it's like, yeah, short guy's going to go to this room full of seven feet tall kids and start looking up and wagging my finger and telling them what to do. So um, anyway, the, the, the friend of the fellow that was on me about the shoes was this huge, super huge, super tall guy. And he's like, hey, ma'am, hey, ma'am, yo, I'm a sixth grader. Do you believe that? I'm a sixth grader. And I was like, no, I don't believe you. And he's like, <laughs> why don't you believe that, ma'am? Why don't you believe that? And I was like, well, you have like full on facial hair and you're seven feet tall. I guess you could be a sixth grader, but my initial impression is that you are not. He's like, all right, all right. Yo, are you a cholo? Are you a cholo? Because I was wearing the flannel shirt, and I was like, no. why? Uh, no, I'm not a cholo. I was like, then why are you wearing that shirt? It's like, man, my man, this is a universal classic shirt. It's a gray flannel shirt. I do understand that it has significance and does exist in the cholo subculture, but anyone can wear a gray flannel shirt. It's like, huh. Hey, you know what a cholo is? I was like, yes, I'm familiar. Well, what is it then? Well, 
I don't feel like giving you a textbook definition. All right, all right. Hey, ma'am, what would you rather nuke? All of China or all of Colorado? And at that point, I told him, you know, no comment and sort of moved on. And that, that diffused that individual. There was one other guy that wanted a smart aleck with me in that class. And he was like, hey, are you from Cali? And I was like, yes. You're from Cali? Yeah. Dude, you look like you're from Wyoming. And I just looked at him and I said, Wyoming? Wyoming? Uh, no, I'm not from Wyoming, bro. And he's like, huh, okay. And then that guy gave me this like elaborate, intricate handshake when he was leaving the room. So I guess we're cool now. Who knows? Anyway, that was like the trouble class. Then I had um, advanced band, beginning band. They were insane. They were like running around, going crazy, but they weren't, it wasn't in like a mean-spirited way. They were just, they wanted to be playing music and I wasn't leading them in music. So instead we just kind of went buck wild and just moshed around the room and, uh, I was thanked for being such a chill sub, uh, which again leads me to believe that many of these subs are very uh, micromanagey, control freaky, which maybe, I mean, I guess that's kind of what you're supposed to be doing, but I just figure it's like one day in these children's lives and let's just get through this period and they'll be back with their real teacher soon enough. So why do we have to have some sort of negative experience? Why can't everyone just chill, do their thing, let their freak flag fly a little bit? That's cool. I can, I can live with that and move on. To another day of actual bonafide instruction from a bonafide credential instructor, which I'm not. So um, anyway, then finally, the, the craziest thing about that first day was the last class of the day was strings. People that play like violin and stuff like that. And I was expecting more crazy, you know, bouncing off the walls, screaming, yelling. These individuals were dead silent for the entire class period as they worked on their word search. Dead silent. And I'm wondering if it's like a strings thing. If it's like the kind of people that are um, drawn to strings are not as belligerent and loud and boisterous as those that are not. So that was my first day substitute teaching. That was a short day because that school is on conference week. Um, so I got out of there like around 1230. And then I didn't work Wednesday, but then I was back to Silverado Middle School for substitute teacher day two on Thursday, in which I taught a sixth grade math and science class. So it was one group of students for two periods, then another group of students for another two periods. So basically two classes doing their math and science class for sixth grade. And then at the end of the day, it was the yearbook and leadership class, which were seventh and eighth graders. And um, this one was interesting because it was the first time I had any interaction with anyone else at the school adult-wise, other than the office people that you check in with, because uh, the sixth grade teacher was kind enough to set something up with her teacher neighbor across the way, where that lady came over and gave me the lay of the land and showed me how to use all the stuff and told me what time it was. Smartened me up to how to use this crazy touch projector, touch video screen, computer monitor, Google thing that's in every classroom now, which I asked my kids about it and they're like, oh yeah. And, but I, I was first, I, they're called like Promethean or something like that. It was the first I'd seen or heard of it. But the, the thing is, I spent a lot of time volunteering in my kids' classes when they were in elementary school. And that was a few years back. So I think these are like a newer classroom edition. And I also think they're more upper grade oriented. Although I guess you could have these in there. Uh, who knows? I don't know. I, I just think, I, I think they were not around yet when I was doing the, the parent volunteer circuit. Anyway, um, these sixth grade classes were insane. They were crazed. But 
the thing that's funny that I, I'm beginning to learn is when I, you're first in this environment, these kids are giving you all this attitude, and they're being totally crazy. My, my, initial, uh, my initial take is to be like, oh, these guys are messing with me. These kids are stepping. You know, they want to fight. I don't mean physically fight, but, you know, they're coming at me with, like, negative energy. But in reality, these kids are all still, the sixth graders are still just, like, for the most part, earnest dorks, even if they're trying to be cool. So I very quickly, with the sixth graders, it was easy to get over with the sixth graders. Um, Even though they were out of control, they were wild, I did it by doing roll call. And when I did roll call, I employed... My best, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcasting voice. And I would proceed to be like, uh, all right, folks, Christopher, do we have a Christopher in the house? Christopher, are you with us today? And then, yeah, yeah, I'm here. All right. uh, Abigail, do we have an Abigail? Is Abigail in the house? Abigail, oh, Abigail, there you are right in front of me. George, there's my man, George, right over there, George. Okay, Carlos, oh, Carlos, Carlos, my man, Carlos, right? So with the sixth graders, if you do that during roll, they're just like, oh, yeah. And they'll help you out too, like if you're calling a name and the person's not there, it's like, oh, they're not here today. So that became my touch point with the sixth graders, getting over with roll. That had worked a little bit with band too the day before. Um, so I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring this thing out. I have my, my finger on the pulse of substitute teaching and I got over with the sixth grade classes. We got everything done. They were totally crazy. And if I was a teacher that was trying to get them to like not talk or to not, you know, wander around the room or be, you know, bouncing off the walls, I I probably wouldn't have been happy. But since I didn't care about that so long as they got what they needed to do done, we had a good old time. We left on good terms. Um, and then it was on to Friday, my first day with high school. Now, high school is a different beast. High school is a different animal. I was teaching for an esteemed chemistry teacher at a school called Vintage High School in Napa. This, this teacher has won multiple best teacher of the year awards. Um, one of the classes that she was teaching was an AP chemistry class, so an advanced placement chemistry class. Kids are on like a fancy college track. Um, and the first class came in and I was supposed to hand them, oh, they were supposed to be working on these chemistry notebooks that they already, you know, basically they knew the drill on everything they were supposed to be doing. I was just kind of, I was there to just oversee that it was happening. So this class comes in, and I thought, well, if the sixth graders liked the MSGV voice, oh, the, the high schoolers are going to get it. They are going to get it. So I take the roll sheet, and I look around, and I'm like, is my man Steven here? Do we have Steven today? Has Steven decided to join us on this lovely Friday? And I just get, like, a bunch of angry, deadpan teenagers looking back at me just totally disgusted. And all of a sudden, I realize I have a 17-year-old child. And she responds similarly to my attempts to be like, Hey, buddy, how's it going today? Um, and it's not just because she's my daughter. It's because she's a 17-year-old, and they are unamused by everything, and they hate everything, and everything is dumb and lame and boring. So I got a lot of eye-rolling. I got a lot of um, feeling of irritation that I was even calling roll. And it's like, well, you know, the sixth graders, when I'm calling someone over and over again, I'm not getting an answer. They'll be like, oh, they're not here. But you guys are just sitting there acting like I'm speaking a different language that you don't understand. So you could help your cause by having just like an ounce of personality. 
and uh, rapping back at me, but uh, you want to do it this boring, bland, deadpan, teenage way? All right, we can do that. So anyway, it was fine. I got through that day. Um, but the, a couple final takeaways here as we close out this, fir- this, this first talk about substitute teaching on the MSGV podcast. And I promise, folks, this is not going to become a substitute teacher podcast from here on out. It's just, this has been a big change. A lot of stories to mine. I haven't even scratched the surface of what's out there um, from just two weeks of this stuff. So, so I figured I, I, I would share what's been going on, especially after it caused me to be gone for two weeks. Um, so one thing that came as a surprise to me, and it was particularly salient on that last Friday when I taught the chemistry high schoolers is uh, substitute teaching has a lot of long gaps where you do absolutely nothing because every teacher has at least one quote unquote prep period where they don't teach a class, which if you're a full-time teacher, that's great. It gives you your time to, to get your lesson plans together, to correct papers, to do this, that, and the third. When you're just there for a day, it means you have a class period with just nothing, which is fine when it's like one class. But um, that chemistry teacher co-teaches a leadership class with another teacher. And so because it's a co-teaching thing, there was no need for me to be there because the other guy just did the whole thing. I could have gone in there and stood there, I guess. But I, I was not need- my services were not needed. But you can't leave the campus because you're still you're, you're contracted to be there during the course of the school day. So I had her prep period. Well, no, first I had the leadership class I didn't have to teach, which was like an hour long. Then there was lunch, and then there was her prep period. So I had about two and a half hours of sitting in an empty classroom doing nothing. Thankfully, I brought a book, so I was able to read. But it's kind of hard because you can't, you don't want to get like too settled in. You know, it's not, a, you're in someone's classroom. It's not like a place where you can just like feel comfortable and kick back and, you know, what if the principal walks in and then you're just like falling asleep reading a book? It just seems like a bad look. So I did do a little bit of reading because I mean, they're, they're literally, they, they don't tell you, oh, could you please do this while you're here in the room? It's like, no, could you sit in this room and wait for the next class to start? So that has been an interesting uh, learning experience for me with this job is that you do have to get through these sort of glacial periods of nothing to do because I would rather, when you're in there and with the kids, the time goes so fast. You can barely, it's just absurd. Uh, everyone sits down, they get their stuff ready, you start doing your thing, and next thing you know, the, the period's over. But when there's nothing going on, you're just literally just sitting there in silence and just inertia. And uh, it's not great, but again, it's not, I mean, it's part of the job, and I've, I've had worse, um, worse bad parts of jobs that I've had in the past. The other thing that I got smartened up to pretty quick is that no one makes you wise to where adults are supposed to be using the bathroom, which becomes a problem because you're stuck on this campus for hours and you need to strategically use the restroom because you can't leave the class, you know, in an hour long period, you got to be there, you know, so basically you want to go during prep, you want to go during lunch. Um, my first day at Silverado, I literally had no idea where to go. And it was really awkward because Silverado's middle school. And so there was one bathroom next to where I was teaching, and it literally said boys. And so I was like, is it even legal for an adult to go into this thing? Um, I ended up sneaking in there when no one was around um, during the, that teacher's prep period. The coast was clear. I ran in, used that bathroom, ran out. Then during lunch, I found a yard duty and asked the yard duty 
where I should go, and he helpfully pointed me to the teacher's lounge. So now at Silverado, I know where to go. At Vintage High School, though, I showed up, and I had no idea where to go, and I wanted to go before I was in this vortex of like hours of classes. So I saw a restroom, and the restrooms at Vintage, because it's a high school, it says men and women. So I thought, dude, there's like 18-year-olds going to this school. It can't be that weird for me to use the men's restroom. Um, I should also say that most of these schools, like next to the, the students' restroom, there's like another restroom that's like obviously for teachers, but they're locked and they don't necessarily, they don't give you the key to these. Um, so I waltzed over at Vintage to the men's restroom that's for the student use. And I'm walking around the corner, I'm going in there, and all of a sudden I realized there's like 30 dudes just standing in there. And it's like the proverbial, like when the record, like the record skips in like the Western saloon, you know, and everyone's staring there looking at you. And I just kind of stone face, walk past them, use the urinal, wash my hands, left. But I could tell like they were in there. There was like some, something was going on. I don't know if it was weed smoking or they they were up to no good. Um, And they all scattered when I came in. But I don't care. Like, I'm not there in that capacity. Do what you need to do. I just need to use the bathroom. We can agree to ignore each other here. Um, one more time during that day, I had to use the restroom before I finally figured out which one I need. I should be using. And I went back in there. And I, I, I thought that that first incident was a freak occurrence that wouldn't happen again. I walk in. Again, there's 30 dudes standing there. And these are not 30 dudes using the, the facilities. They're 30 dudes, like, blocking the entrance. And so, again, they're all glaring at me. And I walk past them and I hear one of them say, man, that's the second time today I've seen that guy take a piss. It's like, well, human beings have needs. They have biological functions. And uh, I uh, thank you for, for keeping track and for keeping a tally. But, uh, but it's very funny because these were obviously the cool dudes of the school. And I'm sure this probably happened when I was in high school. I just don't really remember it because I wouldn't have been hanging out in the bathroom. It, it, it's very strange to me that the cool dudes who are standing around looking tough, looking cool, trying to act like they're doing something furtive, think it's cool to hang out in a disgusting room that's like full of like human waste uh, matter. You know? It's like the bathroom's not exactly a picturesque place. It doesn't smell good. It's like, dude, bro, you think it's cool to hang out in here? All right. You do you. I'll do me and get the F out. Fortunately, I found out that, um, yeah, the, the science area that I was in, there was this whole little teacher prep area behind a door that I didn't realize. And there's like a, a teacher's only restroom in there. So that was great. So now I've learned the first thing I do, whatever school I go to is immediately smarten myself up to the restroom situation. Cause I do not want to run into the proverbial 30 cool dudes milling around ever again, folks, I'm going to end it here. Cause we're going kind of long. Uh, I, I got more tales to tell because dude, today I substitute taught for the, football coach for Napa High School. Not just a PE coach, the coach of the Napa High School football team. But I guess I'll talk about that more next time. Let me look at the old schedule here. I was going to say, see, now that I have this job, I got to figure out how I'm still going to do this show. And there's certainly time to do it because like I said, I don't work 24-7. And I was thinking about possibly going bi-weekly, just doing a show every other week. But, you know, I've got plenty of spots here where I can work stuff in. Let's just say we're going to keep it on 
the week schedule for now. And we'll see how it goes. But I reserve the right, if it doesn't work, to maybe switch things to every other week. Maybe you, you would rather just hear from me every other week. I don't know. Um, but then again, there's always the random weeks where I don't end up doing a show anyway. So I don't know. We're just going to keep things as they are. I'll see you next week. I'll be back. Back with very special episode 94. On the heels of this, a very special episode 93. And tell that it's me, it's me, it's Mr. Sensational, Gino V, and I am signing off.